whole bunch of stuff out of that series, didn't they? Awesome. Very cool. All right. Awesome. Stories, right? Stories are what it's about, isn't it? We all love stories, don't we? Even if you didn't have, maybe have a favorite or one that sticks out, there's something in your life that you've read, watched, or heard that's like, oh, man, that really resonates with me, doesn't it? It's like, man, I really remember that. Even if it's the three little pigs, right? Who here remembers the three little pigs? Now, you might not have heard it in about 20, 30, 40, I don't know how many years you might have heard it, but you might have been a long time for some of you, right? But it's still fresh. It's still fresh because stories have an unmistakable power, don't they? Every one of my kids loves to watch movies or read books or have books read to them, right? I don't know about your kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews, but I'm sure you've experienced that yourself because no matter what it is, we all love to get into the different stories, the different characters, the different modes of of transportation that, that books and movies and things like that give you because the story is powerful, isn't it? It's huge. It's huge. I know whenever life's getting crazy in my world that I tend to want to get away, and I, if I can't go on vacation, which I normally can't, then I can open up a book. And I love opening up a book and just taking time, taking an hour just to escape from where I'm at to retreat to wherever that book's going to take me or watch a movie, the same thing, right? Just be able to chill out for an hour or two and get out of what I'm in because the power of the story, right? That's it. A story is huge. It's unmistakable that it ter- carries you and puts something in you that changes you, doesn't it? Now, there are a lot of good stories out there, tons of tons and tons of good stories. Uh, we've mentioned a few today, but the one we most often overlook, I think, is the Bible, right? I think we mo- more, more more of us uh, in our lives today are friends and family or people that we know just completely ignore <laughs> the Bible when they think about a story. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that because one, I think, is one is incredibly intimidating, isn't it? I mean, if you haven't read one lately, if you haven't picked up a Bible lately, and you pick that thing up, it's like, holy smokes, this thing's huge, right? And you flip through the pages, like, my goodness, those words are so small, I need a magnifying glass to be able to pick it out, and I don't understand half of what they're saying anyway, right? So when you look at it, it's already like, uh, I don't know about that. Two, if we do get into it, and like, man, all right, I kind of get pieces of this puzzle, right? We read it, we glean something from it, and it's like, okay, it may be a little hard to read, but I think I can get something out of that. We do that, we pick and choose, and we try to comprehend what we can, but we don't fully understand how it all fits together, right? I, don't, I do. I'll readily admit this, right? That it just takes some time to get into to understand what exactly we're looking at. What's the big idea? What's the big story in the Bible? So this summer, we've uh, made a commitment to being a more family-centered experience. So if you have children, we have bags for you. If you have, uh, make sure you grab those, too. Uh, if you have children here, I'm going to try this morning to be a little more engaging with you, all right? So we want to make it family-centered. That was my challenge to myself as we gathered back together, knowing that we were not going to have kids' ministry downstairs, but all up here with us, and it's awesome, and I love it because I have kids, and I love to be able to see and hear their reactions. So I'm going to engage with you guys a little more this morning, everybody, not just children, right? But I, I, I really appreciate the fact that we can come together to do that, and what I wanted to do was start this new series called the big picture, right? You see it on the screen above me, if you can see that. And what we're going to do each week during this summer, we're going to tell a piece of the biblical story, and we're going to see how it all fits together, all right? Each week, we're going to take one. We're just going to start today. Where do you think we're going to start? Oh, it's pretty easy if you can read, right? We're going to start in the beginning, aren't we? That makes sense. That makes sense. Every, every story has to have a beginning, right? You have to start there. If you start in the middle, it's not going to make any sense. If you start at the end, it's not going to make any sense. You've got to start back back at the very beginning. So that's what we're going to do, right? Now, 
we're going to use the Bible as our source of this story. Why? Because we believe here at Faith Church that the Bible is a myth, all right? We need to clarify what the Bible is for us because it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. We believe, one, that it's not myth. We believe, two, that it's not just ancient history. Three, we believe that it's not just a collection of good moral teachings, okay? Those three things that we don't think it is. It might have a little bit of all those things, but it's not those three things. What we believe is that it's a nonfiction story given by God himself to us so that we can know him. Another way of saying that is the Bible is God revealing himself to us through his written word. All right? You can go out and you can say, I have church in the woods. Great. Take the Bible with you. Because God will reveal himself in that tree. And he'll reveal himself as you look at the moon, which has been so beautiful the past few days. And he'll reveal himself in the stars and how it all works together. And that's called general revelation. That's like God saying, all right, you know, hey, I'm here. You've got, you got to dive a little deeper, though. And let me tell you who I am, not just that I'm here. And so the Bible is his word saying, here's who I am. Pay attention. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. Now, we can read the Bible and we can say, man, I want to read it so that I'll live a good life and be a good person. We can do that. But if that's our main intent, then we're missing the whole point. I want to clarify that. You can read it for that reason, but if that's the only reason you're reading it, there's lots of good self-help books out there for you. All right? Because the main intent of the Bible, the main point, the main plot of the whole biblical story is there's the creator God who loves us and wants us to know him and be known by him. That's it. That's the story. Now, will we be changed in that relationship to be a different people? Absolutely. But if the heart doesn't change, then the habits don't matter. Get that this morning before we go any further. If you don't experience a heart change connected to the infinite creator God who loves and knows you, then what you do makes no difference. You could be a serial killer or humanitarian. Doesn't matter. If you don't know the God who knows you and wants to know you more, you've missed it. All right? Now that I brought you down, let's talk about the Bible. All right, so we're going to go right here to talk about how the story reads, right? So we're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to read Genesis 1, 1 through 3. So children and, and of all ages, we're going to jump into this together. We're going to have fun. We're going to read. We're going to learn a little bit more about the God who reveals himself to us. So look at Genesis 1, 1 through 3. If you're here in our auditorium, you have it on the screen. If you have a Bible, feel free to open it up, whatever way you want to engage with it. If you have an app, do that, whatever. If you're joining us online, we got a link for you, making it super, super simple. All right, so Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says this. You can feel free to kind of read along as I read it out loud. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, right? Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was what? Good, right? Very good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Now, anytime you pick up a book, Anytime you pick up a story, anytime you watch a movie, what is the, when, when, the, when the movie shows or the book tells you one person, that first person you see, normally the first person you see is what, the least important or the most important? 
Most. All right, it's okay. If you're, if you're wrong, it's all right. Nobody's going to say, hey, you're wrong. You got that. All right, so just spit it out. Or it's okay. We can talk. Is the most important person. In the beginning, who? God, right? In the beginning, God. So who's the most important person in this story? God, right? Does it say, in the beginning, man looked up at the stars and tried to figure out what was going on? No, because man's not the, part, the most important part of the story. It didn't say, in the beginning, there was light. No. Because creation is not the most important point of the story, is it? God is the most important part of the story. And what we find here when we read just these three verses is amazing how much the biblical account packs in here, right? Here's God revealing himself four ways. We're just going to put it in three up here. But i got four different ways that God shows himself in just these three verses. It's amazing. One, how many gods do we see in verse one? One. One. We need to clarify that, don't we? We need to clarify that. You, you probably have friends. I have friends who say there's more than one God, even in today's society, or say there is no God. So we need to clarify how many? One, right? And where is he? Is he in creation? No. In the beginning, God, what, created, means he's out of creation. He is the transcendent one. You'll see the first point on our screen up here, meaning he is above and beyond. Transcendent is a pretty big word, but let's not get caught up in it. He's just above and beyond the things that he has made. That's super important, right? Because if God is above and beyond, if he is transcendent, if he is one, then we know that he is not what? Is he a plant? No. Not according to the Bible. Is he a tree? No. Is he the sun? No. Moon? No. All those things. All those things are created, aren't they? They're made by him. They are not him. It's very important. To understand that. The Bible tells us this. It's important to know they are one too, but the most famous part of the Hebrew Bible is Deuteronomy 6, 4. You say, wow, that's, this part isn't the most famous? No. For Hebrews, ancient Hebrews and modern-day Orthodox Jews, the most famous prayer in the Bible is Deuteronomy 6, 4. It says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. To them, it was incredibly important and incredibly countercultural, as it is for us today, I think. To say that God is just one and that he is above all things. Get that. One and above all things. Two, it tells us that God is a force, right? We see a spirit hovering over, hovering. And I was a Marine. I was part of a Harrier unit, and they hover. That's what they, their whole deal is, is they're hovering aircraft, right? And they hover over the face of carriers or whatever when they land, right? So we see the spirit of God like this big Harrier just hovering over the face of the water. And so we see that God is not just a person, but he is a force moving, a power that engages with his world, one that can bring order out of chaos. He's a force, but he is not an impersonal force. We need to get that too, don't we? God is not the universe, not according to the Bible. He is not some mystical energy, according to the Bible. He is a personal being. He is powerful, all powerful, but he is a personal being. Right? In verse 4, what does he do? You see that? Everybody, everybody look, let's read, let's look. Can you flip back to that one before? I'm sorry, Jaden. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess you up a little bit. So go back to that, that first Genesis 1, 1 through 3 slide. Perfect. What do we see God doing there in verse 4? What does he do? And God, no, I don't have the thing up there for you. I'm sorry. There's, there's no verses up here, but let me help you out. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water, and God did what? Said. Right? 
God said. What else did he do after that? He saw that the, sorry, I messed it up for you. God saw it, said it, and then he what? Saw it, right? That was a preview. All right, he saw it. He see it and he saw it. Can an energy see and see and, and speak? No. God is a person. A person. And that is important because what we see is that he is a person that creates, that he speaks light into existence and he appears. That he reveals himself, not like a scientist putting together building blocks of life, not like this energy that's kind of just forming everything together, but as a personal creative God, an artist, a craftsman. I so appreciate all of you who can build things with your hands, because I cannot. <laughs> but I so appreciate your talents and abilities. And I can mention, imagine God sitting there creating this thing, and it is not just putting building blocks together like Legos, but he's painting a masterpiece with his words. He is creative, but he's not just creative, he is authoritative. So if you go to that last one, Jaden, there we go. He is creative and authoritative. He speaks and things happen. Moms, I don't know how it is in your house, or women who with husbands, or boyfriends, or whatever you got going on in your life, but when you speak, things happen. And you're going to say, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you're going to say, I wish it did. <laughs> you're going to say, I wish if I spoke, thought things happened. But I will guarantee you, you talk to your husband, your boyfriend, your children, your grandchildren, whoever it is, that if when mom says something, something's going to happen. Now, it might not be immediately, <laughs> right? But it's going to happen. Because mom's words are what? authoritative, aren't they? When she says it, stuff's going to pop, right? Or they're going to get rolling down the hill eventually, right? God's word is authoritative. He is authoritative. And he is also the sole definer of good and not good, right? What do we see? He said it and he saw that life was good. And that means he defined what was good or not. If he said, oh, that life's not good at all. He could have, but he didn't. He said it was good. He is the one saying what is good and what is not good? Nothing or no one else. Let me clarify that. All right, moving on. So the story opens with the main character, God. It continues by describing what God is doing, right? He's creating the heavens and the earth. He speaks light. I'm not going to read all of Genesis 1, by the way. Go, you can read it yourself this week. He goes and he goes through all those things that he creates, and he speaks, and he sees. It is good. All things, creating this masterpiece, right? He forms and fills the heavens, meaning the stars and the planets in the solar system. He forms and fills the earth with the sea, the sky, the, the animals and plants and, and trees and everything in it. And we see all this happening in this first few verses that God is seeing that it is good. God is taking the disorder, the chaos, the, the stuff that's void, that's just a mess down here, and he's putting it all together to, to be formed for a purpose. And we see... What well, the purpose is in verse 25 and 26. Before we get there, we want to make sure that we understand. Before we wrap, we get, because we often read that and we're like, well, man, God made all these things. How? That's usually the first question. As people who are naturally inquisitive and in our society today, because we're 21st century beings who want to know everything, how did he do it? The Bible does not say how he did it. And I'm not terribly concerned myself when I read that. I'm like, well, if the Bible didn't say how he did it, then I guess it's not true. The Bible's not concerned with how he did it. The concern of the Bible is why he did it. You see, because scientists and, and, and great minds of our century can tell us the how of lots of different things, but the how does not determine the why. It doesn't. A scientist can break down that chair and he can put it into all the different molecules. He could take it down under microscopic level and say how it's put together on a cellular level. 
But knowing how it's created doesn't tell you why that chair is made, does it? That chair is made for you to sit in, right? Somebody crafted that for you to sit your bottom on it so you'd be more comfortable, right? That's why it was made. The Bible is concerned about why creation is formed. And it takes us to say that he describes this physical place. He takes something from this order to order so that he and all that he has made can be connected in intimate relationship. That is the why. Why is there earth? Why is there sun? Why is there a moon? Why are there stars? Why are we here? Because God has made it so he can live with us in a place together. All right? He gets us to the, to the pinnacle of, of his creation in verse 26 where it says this. 26 through 28 says, Then God said what? He's going to put it up there for you. He said, Let us make man in our image. That means humanity, not just a guy. All right? Man in our image. Adam. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing, that moves on the earth. Now, just like we said earlier with God, this packs a lot of stuff in here. We only want to highlight two real quick this morning. All right? Just to give you a, head, a peek into what I do during the week, I've trialed this message on my children. And I knew that about 15 minutes, they tapped out. All right? So I'm going to try to pack this in for you this morning. Man, all right? So let's jump into man. Humanity is created, aren't they? We just read it. Humanity is created like plants and animals, but they are distinct. They are made in his image. That's important. Don't miss this. That means that unlike the rest of creation, not a dog, not a cat, not a plant, not anything, man is different. That unlike the rest of creation, humanity is distinctly relational. Distinctly relational. We aren't simply made to mate and reproduce like anything else, but to engage in deep, meaningful relationships that shape who we are and what we do. That means we are like God in that fact. That he is like that and we are like that. It also means that we are also like God and that we can reason, we have a sense of what's right and wrong, that we can communicate in complicated languages and even create completely new languages. That's all unique to humanity. We have the capacity to love and to commit to that love. And we are incredibly creative, aren't we? For most of us. And some symbols of creativity. Also, we see that man is made in the image of God means that he bears and we bear power and responsibility, don't we? You see, we are not little gods. We need to get that right too, right? God didn't say, let me create something just like me but smaller. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, let me create things in my image like me, meaning we are not gods, but we are given the authority to rule over and care for his creation. What do we say? That God's word is authoritative. God speaks. Things happen. When he created man, he blessed him. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion and subdue, meaning I'm giving you my authority to carry out creation. To carry out creation. That's huge. And it's a huge responsibility. That's a power. That's a power that we have. Like, oh man, you mean I get to create anything I want? Yeah, and no. <laughs> We're supposed to create within the rules that he has set out to lovingly care for the creation that God has lovingly crafted. That's a big responsibility. When I was thinking this week, 
boys and girls who play, anybody play, who plays Minecraft? Besides Josh, I know Josh does. I'm a Minecraft player myself, occasionally. One of my sons, some of my sons do. Anybody else who's not a kid, or a teenager, or a young adult, or an older adult who likes video games. Anybody know who Minecraft, what Minecraft is? No, all right, that's okay. Don knows what Minecraft is, all right. Some children with parents know. All right, Minecraft is a simple concept, right, Josh? Now tell me if I'm wrong in explaining this. It, it, it's whole purpose and intent is in the word that it just says what it is. The whole purpose is to mine the world that is around you. It's these little blocks that are, that are all around you that looks like a, a simulated world. And you're supposed to mine these blocks, you break them down, and then you find a bunch of them, and then you rebuild something out of those blocks, right? I mean, you craft it. That's essentially all there is to it. In Minecraft, the designer of that game, of designers, the whole team that put it together, their whole intent was to give you a simulated world for you to do what in, Josh? Mine and craft, right? That's your whole, that's your whole gig. You're creating something out of their creation, right? That's the whole point of that game. Now, people go and try to break it and, and do crazy things in it, and that's fine. But the whole point of that game is to create out of creation. That's the whole point of humanity. Now, the difference between Minecraft and what God has done is that the dev team could care less if they get to know you, right? They're like, hey, who cares? I'm just making money. You buy my game. But God wants to know you through the creation that he has made. That's the difference. That's the difference. That's the reality that the first humans were brought into, right? A loving God created an incredibly beautiful place where humanity can live and thrive by growing food, growing families, growing neighborhoods, growing communities, building these beautiful places where they work, love, and care for each other and are loved and cared for by the God that made them. That's what it is. That's Genesis 1 in a nutshell. That's the intent. That's the beginning of the story. What do we find at the very end of that story? The beginning of that story? Verse 131 up here is going to tell you. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Right? Very good. Very good. That's the beginning. We're going to piece the story together. That's just the beginning. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. That's all you get this morning. We're going to talk about the rest next week. Is the world that we live in very good? It's pretty good. Very good? I don't know. <laughs> Very good. You see, in the beginning, there was no death, right? There was no disease. There was no stress. There was no abuse. There was no anxiety. There was no chaos. There was no sickness. There was no injustice. There was no ecological disasters. It was this perfect place where God, man, and creation were living together. Very good. It might have been an understatement, really, whenever God said it, but we might have questioned what he said. Now, obviously, we don't have that right now, so something must have happened. We're going to talk about that next week. But what I want to talk about right now is that that perfect place was created. That perfect harmony of man, creation, and God all existed in the one space. That is what we are called back to. Now, the question becomes, how do you get there, right? That's the question. That's the question that countless religions have spawned over the years. How do you get back to that perfect place? We believe here at Faith that the Bible continues, and we'll get to there eventually, that Jesus is that way, right? He's the way back. You have to imagine, you take these two balls down here, and you got heaven up here, and it's this perfect place, and you got this, what will eventually be a new creation. We'll talk about that later. And you have us down here, right? There's a big gap between the two. Now, you can't jump this far. That's a pretty big gap. There's no way you can jump that far. But God, through his son, Jesus Christ, makes the way from here to here. He bridges the divide. And he's the only one who does that. 
He's the only thing who does that because he is the one who made this and made you. He is the solution to this big, giant gap problem that we have here. And so if you're seeking this morning, whether you're here seeking or you're online seeking today, you're like, I, I don't really know if I believe that God is real or he's a person or he's one. I don't know if I know all these things. And you're looking around and you're searching for answers to this problem. We believe that Jesus is the solution to that problem. And we want to give you the opportunity to respond. But because we believe Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'm the solution to that. See you later. Meet you another time. We believe that he said, if you believe, trust, and follow me, I will take you back to that perfect place. It starts here in your life by giving you a life that is better than the life you have now, centered on the reason and why you even exist. But it becomes even better in eternity when it's all remade and you sit there and live in that perfect place together again. If you're ready to get back to that perfect place with no stress, anxiety, chaos, disorder, all those things are gone. It starts with Jesus. So you want to respond to him right now. We're going to give you that opportunity to do that. If you are not, you're still seeking, keep coming back every week. We want to engage with you on that journey because it is a long process. That's a lot of information I just gave you in three short verses. Keep thinking through it. Think critically. Don't, don't just take my word for it. Look at it. Look at the world around you. Examine other things. Seek. And I promise you, you'll find the truth in the end if you're really looking. And we know that promise is Christ. Two. Believers, as individuals pursuing a relationship with Jesus, and more importantly, as a people who are chasing after him, which is what we should be, right? We are recreating and reliving that very good beginning, right? We say it in a different way another time. We say we are bringing heaven to earth. It's the same concept, right? That we are reliving Genesis 1 all together again. Every time we're together. Now, I pray that Eden wasn't this hot. Right? But I don't know, because I'm a, I'm a cold nature kind of guy. I like the winter, but that's all right. So I, I, it might not have been that hot, but we are recreating that very good beginning, right? When we love him, when we love each other, when we care for his creation, that's recreating the beginning of that story. That's the, that's the sphere, that's the place, that's the, the community that we're inviting people into. So whenever we say, hey, come to church with me, what are you saying is, come to the beginning of creation with me. We need, to, we, need to, we need to grasp that because I sometimes think we say, oh, whenever we say come to church, we mean come and get some good word or come sit and hang out and talk together. Now come and experience what the beginning of life looks like. That's the goal that we should be setting for ourselves too because are we doing that? I think we could, I could do better about that. We can all do better about that. But every time we come together, whether it be Sunday morning or some other day of the week, whatever it is, when we're coming together to be his people, we're coming together to create his place that isn't good because we're good, but because God is present. That's it. This place, this building isn't good because we're in it. It's because God comes and says, let me sit here with you. You're my people who've come to know me, and I want to know you, and I'm coming to connect with you right here, right now, speaking to you, not just through my voice, right here. May we be known for people who are passionately pursuing knowing God and inviting others on that journey with us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. All right, let's close, close it up with some prayer. If you're joining us online today and you're seeking, or if you're here in person and you're like, man, I want to accept, I want to accept and believe and follow Jesus who has bridged that gap. 
Here's your opportunity. You say words like these. They had to be these exact words. It's something like this. You say, dear Jesus, I am so sorry <laughs> for trying to do that on my own, for trying to recreate, to find that very good beginning in my life, the time where everything made sense, the time where it all was perfect, the time where it was nice, the time where it was happy and joyful. And I'm trying to recreate that in my own life by pursuing so many different things, and I'm tired of those things. They bring chaos and not order. I want you instead. I want to be in a relationship with you, to know you and be known by you. Because that's the only way habits change, is by you changing me. Please take me as I am, Jesus, and make me to be like you. Take me back to the beginning. If you said those words, as all heads are bowed here and I shut, not because it's something we have to do, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. And you said a prayer like that, words like that, for the first time. I just want you to simply slip your hand up. If you're online today, I encourage you to like or love a comment that you responded and said something like that. Made that decision this morning. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I just want to know so we can follow up with you and tell you what the next step is after that. Amen. Awesome. For believers and everyone here as we close this portion of our experience, dear Jesus, thank you, God, for today. Thank you for this morning, for this time together, Father, not just because the sun is beautiful outside, because there's no rain, because it's just beautiful, gorgeous weather, but because we are gathered here today, Father, to know you and be known by you. That we are taken into this perfect place, the beginning, Lord, with you, God, to just boil it down to the essential which is you and our relationship with you. God, I pray that we begin to continue, or rather continue to develop that relationship, that we continue to be known as a people who are passionately chasing after you, that are intimately concerned about loving you and loving others. God, inviting others into that perfect place. God, not because we're perfect, because you are Jesus. God, we thank you for it. We love you and praise you. We pray that you you fill us up today to carry us with it this week, Jesus, and to bring you to others who we seek and speak to in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, in an effort to reduce that time, I I cut a whole bunch of stuff. So what you're going to get is something super cool. Because the way our world works today, I don't have to give you everything all at one time because you're connected in different ways, right? So look for later this week. You'll see on Facebook another post drop. It's going to be a video. It's going to go into deeper of like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. Now, how does that affect how we live? Because this goes beyond having a relationship with our creator. That's the beginning, but it changes every single thing we do. So keep looking this week for that, whether you're here and online later this week on Facebook, okay? All right, for those of you who are joining us online, we can't wait to see you next time. We can't wait to see you here. We encourage you to come. There's plenty of room to spread out. Yeah, we won't cough on you, sneeze on you, or shake your hand, or hug you, or do any of those things, all right? We just want to uh, say, hey, thanks for coming, and uh, we appreciate that. So if you're joining us, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We can't wait for you to check us out next time and learn more about you as you learn more about us. Thank you so much.